Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Canyas, recording on a Saturday. So if you're looking at the YouTube version, I might not, I, I'm not wearing my suit and tie. Uh, this could be shocking for some people. Uh, so, and, and today I have with me Darren Bloomfield. Darren, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Uh, my pleasure. So, so Darren is a recent RMI grad and uh, I uh, worked with him a little bit uh, during his job search at the end of the program. And I've always thought that uh, I'm not an RMI, pro, uh, an RMI major myself. So, so I've always thought that when RMI majors graduate, there's, it, it gets really interesting because on a normal year, not in 2020, but on a normal year, it, 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 it feels to me like the NFL draft. They get multiple offers and then they proudly announce on, on LinkedIn which, which offer they accepted. So it's a really different situation from, from any other job search within insurance that I'm, that I'm familiar with and that I've ever been involved in myself. Uh, so so uh, once he did, did uh, uh, accept the job, uh, which he hasn't started, uh, I, I told Aaron that, that, that we should record an episode on, uh, how, uh, on, on, on what he learned. Also, Darren, you ran a podcast for the National Alliance for a while. Uh, and we have a very exciting announcement at the end of the podcast today. So if you're not an RMI major and, and this is not an, a topic of interest, just skip to like the last five minutes to listen to the announcement. So Darren, uh, the microphone's basically yours, and I will uh, awesome. ask questions and, and uh, you do my usual thing. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, so as you know, you know the Risk and Reward podcast, I actually just recorded my, my last episode yesterday, so that was quite exciting, good experience with that. And, you know, I, I, yeah, as, as you're saying, just kind of the, the talent pool from the, the risk management and insurance major, you know, it's, it's I think it's kind of unique in a way where there's you know, like 80 something programs, but then there's obviously a lot more jobs that needs to be filled. So uh, for, for reference, 80 something programs. And by the way, I've been saying 70 something, but I'm assuming your number is more updated than mine since you came, since you were just there. Right. But, but 80 something programs for reference, there are 4,000 schools and universities in the U S and if I had to guess, I really should look up this number, but if I had to guess, probably half of them have business schools. So there's probably 2000 uh, universities have business schools out of those only 80 have risk management programs. Like we are way behind. Uh, so, so of course you kids graduate and kids is anybody younger than me, which is almost 39. Uh, you guys graduate or you kids graduate and you only feed between 10 and 15% of our hiring needs. So needless to say, it's like piranhas, right? Like where we're competing over the RMI kids. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's a definitely a great perspective and kind of back up, you know, why do you choose a risk management and insurance major? You know, coming to Butler, I knew they had the program and the way it was pitched to me with what you just kind of said was, you know, your competition in, you know, you go to a finance, get a finance degree, you get an accounting degree, you know, like that's, a lot of competition. It's a big competition pool. And even with that, you know, we have finance and accounting majors, marketing majors, ending up coming to the insurance industry anyway, you know, as you, as people have seen, you know, financial crash and people falling in, you know, to the insurance industry. So I kind of thought, and, you know, with the help of some good mentors like Zach Finn, a uh, professor at the time, uh, just kind of, the, the, yeah, the, the way like like just kind of like that vision and the, the way to kind of pitch the program and pitch, pitch the opportunity, uh, you know, it was really, really unique. And I, you know, I kind of saw that. And then with, you know, getting some hands-on experience earlier uh, before taking the, the schoolwork with like Gamma Iota Sigma, WSIA, RIMS, just kind of seeing what, you know, the job actually was, you know, I think that that's a really unique opportunity and that really helps uh, kind of fill like that, that void between, you know, freshman year to versus like to, to junior year, we're actually getting into the coursework. Okay. Uh, and everything they told you, they were absolutely correct. And, and by the way, you, you, you bring up a couple of really interesting things. Uh, so, so 
nobody, in my opinion, in my experience, nobody shows up at a school specifically looking to, to major in RMI. And by the way, the, out of the 80 programs, many of them are not majors. There are concentrations in the finance program or whatever. So nobody shows up wanting to major in RMI. And I've asked hundreds of RMI majors uh, who have called me for career advice how they ended up in RMI. And I don't remember if I, if I had asked you in the past, but, but what I've seen is that there, there's two ways that people end up majoring in RMI, right? And both start with that person already goes to a school that has an RMI program. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the two ways are uh, at, 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 at Temple or at St. John's, uh they, they were a business major and they they were they were forced to take rmi one-on-one -on -one and they fell in love with it and they end up majoring in rmi i'm assuming that butler doesn't require rmi one-on-one -on -one for every business major right okay yeah we uh, haven't even got to that point yet i know uh, the other 78 programs mm -hmm. the, the only two that i'm aware of are saint john's and, and uh temple and that's very likely where they're, why they're the biggest in number of students. Okay. So, so the other way that, that I have found people fall into, our, into RMI is they're going to an RMI school like Butler and Gamma has free pizza and a great speaker. And the kids show up for the free pizza and the great speaker convinces them to give, to give RMI a try. Uh, is that, am, I, am I halfway yeah. accurate on that? I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the approach that we've taken with our, our beta lambda chapter on, on campus. Uh, but then, yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly, it's just kind of getting, you know, exposure, you know, getting as much touch points to the insurance industry as possible, bringing those resources and, and industry professionals to campus and kind of having a place to kind of showcase that. So that's what, something I've been doing this semester is bringing some companies to school in our business school, so then all the majors, uh, all our business majors get exposure to them versus just the risk management majors that would be coming to gamma meetings. That, that's a great idea. I, I, I think that, that um, gamma presidents, please, 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 please invite every other business student. Uh, right, uh, like I, I pretty much guarantee that, that the, whoever's coming to, to speak uh, would like is likely happy to 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 sponsor more pizza. Uh, invite all the business students. Uh, partner with the, with any other business clubs, uh, the MBA club or whatever else there is, uh, to get them to listen to the to the speakers. Uh, yeah, and I'd say like, like that's how we get people uh, into RMI. Yeah, like at at Butler we have you know a, a real estate a club. So if you bring in you know a speaker that specializes in the real estate industry from the insurance perspective, if you bring in a speaker who specializes in financial institutions and then bring in that's like a finance club. So if you bring in, you have to give other majors a reason to be interested. Makes sense. Makes they just wouldn't sense. know, you know, unless you make that connection for them, it's kind of hard to kind of see the insurance industry for, you know the industry that you're in and see like the insurance how the in insurance industry impacts what you're already interested in yep that, that makes perfect sense um and, and this this uh, next question doesn't apply much to the or at all to the rest of the rmi universe beyond butler but uh we're, we're up uh, uh were you involved in in in, in professor zags sacks uh uh what, what is it called? Uh, Student-run cap, run captive. Yeah. And how yeah, was like, that experience? Yeah, so it was really unique. Uh, so I took that junior year, uh, second semester. So that was last year for me. It was it was a really interesting time. So we were, we were trying to move our, our captive, it's domicile in Bermuda. We we're still trying to move it uh, to kind of the, the states to, to kind of like more of a, a local kind of presence. And as we we're looking, doing like captive feasibility studies of, of where we could domicile it, you know, Virginia, Vermont, uh, Tennessee, we we're trying to do some studies and kind of looking for like new brokers to kind of work with that. Uh, captives weren't my biggest interest, uh, more focused on the professional liability side, uh, but definitely was interesting. We were trying to see how we could expand our captive and cover more, more lines of coverage, looking so at some medical. So, so for, for now, what does the captive cover for, for anybody who hasn't heard Professor Zach uh, yeah. passionately talking about it? So mostly the, 
the live mascots we have uh, uh well it was blue and now it's tr or trip and blue and we have uh so that's the butler uh dog bulldogs so we have the, the mascot for them we have a, a bomb sniffing dog so we covered that for the police department we cover the the telescope on campus the big butler telescope and then we have the art all like the expensive artwork and then what's really interesting and unique is the the real business experience so sophomore year at butler we have students get loans from the school to start up their own student run business so when we come in and we would underwrite their the exposures for that like for example my sophomore year my my team did uh we did cookie cutters so when we had we 3d printed cookie cutters we had a paw print, the state of Indiana, and a bulldog. So then when the captive class would come in and underwrite us, they would just ask us like, hey, you know, is this food safe material? And just kind of checking to see like where the exposures are. So I think that is also kind of a hands-on opportunity No as well. kidding. No, but like you, you mentioned at the beginning, captives are not what, what you're going to focus on in your career, you don't think. And, and, and that's the reality, right? The 95% of, of insurance, but probably 98% of insurance professionals don't work with captives. It's a very, very niche area. But that experience, oh my gosh, a hiring manager, like, like kids that have already underwritten something mm -hmm. is just amazing. <laughs> so that's really awesome. Uh, but that only applies to, to, to Butler. So, so so for, for the general RMI kids in the other 79 schools that don't have an in-house captive, uh, how, how was the, the uh, process of, of applying and career fair and interviewing and, and, and ultimately choosing a job? Yeah, I mean, I'd say a couple things going on. Uh, a little unique for me being a, a December grad, uh, trying to find like that timeline, a little off recruiting cycle. So I think that was interesting. Um, and that's another thing, like nobody really tells you when to start looking for jobs, you know, just kind of, oh, it's like, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, mean and I think it just kind of like, oh, I mean, maybe you've got some messages on LinkedIn or some emails, but it's not really like, uh, oh, it's time, you know, it's and, just kind of- And real quick, any, any listener who is at a carrier and is anywhere near the underwriting trainee program, this is something that I hear all the time uh december grads always have a harder time i mean they're still in high demand but it looks like the under training programs almost always start starting the in the fall uh they assume that you're graduating in may so mm -hmm. if you run one of those, those programs they're supposed to be six months long i would run two a year and, and I, I would run a smaller one in the spring and you're going to have a, a, a like you're going to have your pick of of uh, of uh, december grads because there's less programs if any that that take people in, in in january right and nobody wants to wait six yeah. months to start their career right uh drive uber or whatever during that time uh so 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 anyway a great competitive advantage for anybody that, that has two classes uh so anyway yeah, continue. And what's kind of interesting too is what you're saying of of kind of like the, when the start dates kind of like that training kind of like i completely understand the the, the point of having like those cohorts to kind of bounce ideas off each other and kind of move through the company together. You know, I think that's great. And then with that, you know, obviously the elephant in the room is, is COVID. So what kind of happened with that? Some people's start dates did get pushed back. So when you have this group got pushed back, so everything's pushed back. And oh, then I think that was kind of going on too. Uh, uh, May, 2020 grads. It, it was crazy. Uh, the people had offers pulled because companies didn't know how to do it, right? They weren't ready for it. Uh, like, I feel really bad for those kids. I've talked to several of them. I, I think at this point, they've all landed somewhere, but but, but, but yeah, that class really, like you're very lucky to, to be 18 months later. Yeah, so, you know, another interesting thing is I think kind of like taking the time, you know, the sophomore year, junior year, to kind of build that that network have those internships so then when it comes senior year you're not like you kind of have some flexibility of you know what's out there kind of have an understanding about what line of business you like what you've seen uh do you want to go wholesale do you like ens do you 
want to be on a carrier? Do you want to be a retailer agent? How close or far to the insured do you want to be? So I think kind of getting that experience, you know, earlier, maybe sophomore year, summer, junior year, uh, I just think having like those internships could not be more valuable. And oh, I think right. that's, I think that's the really huge benefit of the, the risk manager insurance major is to get those internships early into the insurance industry. So, so just before we start recording, you mentioned that, that, that you feel that one of the biggest benefits of our, of the RMI major is, is that is the connections you make and the internships you, you take. Um, so if, and, and I didn't prepare you for this question, but, but, but if you had to give it weight, so, so if, 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 if out of a hundred, so we want them to total a hundred, right? Uh, if you have to divide a hundred points uh, between what you learn in the classes, the connections you make and the uh, internships, uh, how valuable are each of those three things in, in an RMI program in your, in your, in your very subjective opinion? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're kind of asking is balancing, you know, knowledge versus experience. And then I think, you know, just with the knowledge base kind of in the classroom, uh, personally for me, as soon as I had, you know, that first internship sophomore year, I think I kind of changed things a little for me because I kind of got drew more towards the professional liability side. So I think if the coursework, I personally thought kind of covered more of that property casualty, mm -hmm. some overview of employee benefits, but it never really got too deep and, into your professional liability. And that makes sense because professional liability is, is a niche, right? I, I don't have numbers, but, but if I had to guess less than 25% of uh, property casualty uh, professionals work in professional liability. Right. It, it really is like like plus might have numbers on this, but but it, it's, it's a niche. So so it makes sense that the curriculum doesn't go too deep into it. Uh, but, but yeah, if you do an internship, if you think that that site might be interesting and you do an internship in that site, it'll, it'll answer your question as to as to whether you really want to go in that direction or you don't. Yeah, I mean, I'd say back to your question, uh, you know, I'd say I'd say the internships, I think I learned more on my first internship that I could have imagined. Like I, I think it's just so important to take notes, ask questions, network internally, network externally. And again, like, I don't really think people tell you to do that. Really? You know, I mean, like people, they, you know, you could respond, like if they are responsive and you know, what kind of time you have, but I think it's kind of up to you too, to kind of have the initiative to you know, reach out. Maybe sometimes it's not as scheduled. Again, for me, I'm in Indianapolis working for a company in Chicago virtually for most most internships. So that might have been kind of a step two. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I think the internships, let's say seventy percent, um, I'd say kind of like classroom knowledge. I think the the classroom knowledge helps you know if you're actually interested in, in risk management. And I, I think it kind of gives you the, the background of how to do the internship, you know, kind of have that, that rough guideline before you kind of get into the role, have some working terminology, kind of some keyword understanding. And I think like insurance operations was a class I took and just kind of seeing how it all ties together, you know, so you kind of know what to look for what questions to ask when you're going into, you know, that, that internship. And I'd say, you know, having that, that group of people, you know, your age, your sim similar school kind of going to similar classes. And then just with Butler, when you go farther down, you know, junior, senior year, your classes will get smaller and more specialized. You'll mostly have class with only your major at some point, or maybe a couple other majors. So, you know, we're seeing the same people and you're all kind of going through the same process at, at the same time. So I'd say that's, you know, like 10%, I, I'd say value. Fantastic. Um, uh, how long, so your advice to, to, to future RMI majors. Oh, and, and, and real quick. Okay. So, so, so I'm guessing that because most people don't start an RMI freshman year, 
I'm guessing that you really only have time for two internships at most, like two summers from the time you kind of like went to RMI, took a class or two, and then did an internship and then again, and then did an internship again. Um, yeah. So, right. So, so maybe two internships if, 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 if you're lucky, uh, according to my math. Well, yeah, so I think I think that's something that we could possibly improve upon. You know, I think I got a little lucky how I was able to have internships during the school year, oh, you awesome. know, all in spring. And I don't think that's that's a very norm. And personally, I just I found it that maybe the brokers were a little more willing than like the carriers to kind of do that. Uh, so just how many, how many hours were you putting in since it was during the semester? How many hours? Yeah, I'd say like 20 to 30. Uh, so I'd say like, I mean, Butler, Butler gives two internships for credit. So then you would take one less class. So I'd be working Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, and then have, you know, four classes on Tuesday and Thursday. So kind of break it out like that. Okay. Uh, so that, that was helpful. Definitely. That's super cool. Super, 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 super cool. Probably a little harder to pull off uh, if, if, if one of the two isn't online well while you were doing yeah. it if i'm not mistaken yeah. both were online so basically like, like zooming to work instead of or zooming to school right yeah. uh so so yeah that's 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 pretty cool that, that is really cool really really cool yeah i mean i'll uh, tell you there, there'll be days where you know last year i'd, I'd wake up in the morning i forgot which computer to pick up you know am oh, i working today or am i joining class because yeah. work, you could only work from the work computer yeah, uh, because this is insurance. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, uh, I would be I, like, am I joining Zoom? You know, for class today because COVID. You know, we had some mostly at uh, uh -huh. apps online, and then I was just kind of like, what what day is it? But yeah, uh, no. So I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so so I, I'm a Mac guy, uh, and and, um, and insurance is mostly Windows environment, right? Uh, so for many years, I, I traveled with two laptops because I couldn't stand, like once I was not working for the day, uh, I couldn't stand like playing around on, 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 the, on, the, on, the, on the Windows work laptop. I brought my Mac to be able to play around on, on, after work. Uh, finally, at, at, at Jacobson, we are a Windows shop, but we are a Windows shop and where our systems are, one of them is web-based, uh, the other one is Outlook. And our messaging system is Skype. All mm -hmm. three of them exist on Mac. So after like a year, I uh, pulled out an old Mac I had and, 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 and I uh, tested whether I could work from it. And, I, and, and when I realized that I could, uh, I went and bought a new Mac. And, and now I work from my Mac. And I very, very rarely open my work computer now. Uh, <laughs> Very few people can get away, you know, industry can get away with this. Like it's a small company. They don't require me to be on the VPN, which is the one thing I can't do. Uh, so, 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 so anyway, I, I'm so happy nowadays because I travel with just my Mac. Uh, so anyway. Uh, and the uh, Superman cape. Uh, <laughs> I generally only wear the Superman cape for Gamma events. Uh, <laughs> But we'll see in the future. We'll, we'll see. I have definitely become a little more bold <laughs> about, about what I do at events. Uh, recently, I've, I've been wearing my top hat and, and my red jacket, even to to some to some official Jacobson events. Uh, the ones like I wouldn't do it at like PCI, but but anyway. Uh, so 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 how going back to to the job search? How long before you graduate do you recommend to start actually job searching? I, I'm guessing. Uh, at the beginning of the of your senior year, or or like what 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 is the best time yeah. to start actually jobs applying for jobs? So I think you know a big thing is to kind of decide what what your options are. You know, with those past internships, you know, if you did do the summers, mm -hmm. you know, I'd say if you even if you really liked your first internship one summer, I'd even I'd even recommend going to a, a different company. You know, learning new knowledge, trying something new. Because even something that you you don't like is still a valuable internship. Because if you can limit down, like insurance is so big. If you can limit down, no, I don't want to go into reinsurance. No, I don't want to go to carrier. And you're like looking at like a brokerage and you decide like your, your line of business. Like I, I think there's so many different ways to do it. Uh, but I think kind of getting a, a wide taste or kind of a variety. And even, you know, with an internship, like if you are placed in the casualty department, 
And then if you network, you know, with the property producers or, you know, cash or, or professional liability, you know, producers, just like a few calls, you could like, I think just having that flexibility and just being encouraged to kind of reach out and kind of see, make it like an informal rotational program or like even for the company standpoint. I love that idea, informal rotational program. And by the way, real quick pause or real quick parenthesis as the carrier guy, I'm going to, I'm going to say, if you're in, in, interning at a carrier, same story, go, mm -hmm. go, go network with the underwriters in the other lines of business, uh, and, and create an informal rotation program. I love it. Go ahead. Cause I, you know, I think that's in a, in a long run, you know, I think that's really in that company's best interest too. Cause if you're coming out of school and, you know, you accept your job on, you know, let's say casualty, and then you realize like two years down the line, you're like, wow, I don't really like casualty. I wish I was doing property, you know, then, then you might move, you might move yeah, companies, absolutely. you might move businesses. So if, if the company gives you that chance, you know, early in your career to kind of get that exposure, then that's, that's great for them for retention and just for you to kind of build your, your skill set and get more developed. I agree completely hundred percent. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, after you decide, I, you know, are you going to go back to a past internship once you kind of figure out that and even at the internships, you know, if you're at a broker, you're sending out submissions to underwriters, talk to those underwriters, you know, stay in contact with them. Maybe you want to be an underwriter at that company. I just think it's how many people can you get, you know, in contact with how big can you kind of build a presence and just kind of like exposure wise. That's something I realized is, I have only ran into a couple of people who I was like, wow, this person's does not want to talk to me or like, they're not being very helpful. But I think that's speaking volumes, you know, of, of the insurance industry, like, you know, LinkedIn time for a call, you know, that's really all I put in my subject line of email time for a call question mark. And the, you know, the amount of responses that you get back is, you know, I think that speaks volumes. I want to, I want to say, like it worked. I can quantify how what you're giving a master class on 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 how to how to network for RMI students. And uh, by the way, RMI students, I recommend the book Never Eat Alone. Uh, but but what what I'm saying it worked. Not only are you connected with me, uh, but you've got three thousand connect three thousand plus connections on LinkedIn, right? That is more than I would, in my experience, more than the majority of insurance professionals, period, right? Uh, I've got 18,000, but I'm an exception to the rule. I'm like top 10 in the US for insure tech, for, for insurance, not insure tech people. Uh, but so, uh, but I, I, the average insurance professional might have 800 to 1200. If I, if I had to guess, if, if just based on what I've seen, if, if, if we were to put all insurance professionals that have a LinkedIn for there's some that don't, I never understand that, but that have a LinkedIn and we were to choose the median one, I'm guessing that that median person would be somewhere between 800 and 1200 connections. So you're starting your career at like three times the number of connections of the average person that has been working in this industry for a while. That's amazing. So anyway, continue. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I mean, I just say it's getting in, the, in that habit, you know, like that mindset, you know, if I had maybe four internships, you know, and I, I think, you know, that's just keeping like that habit from, you know, the first internship going to the second internship, kind of just kind of getting in that routine, mm -hmm. you know, LinkedIn with, with networking, you know, I think networking is kind of like a, a lost art, you know, with that. And even, even like the little things you want to really think of, like the business insurance journals, you know, people are moving around, just copy and paste that name, throw it in the LinkedIn, add them, you know, like those little things that it adds up. Uh, when you add somebody on LinkedIn, don't make the mistake that Tony made at the beginning of his career uh, and always include a note. Okay. And that note could be as simple as, hey, uh, my name is Darren. I'm an RMI student. Uh, I'm doing an internship in X place. Uh, your profile looked interesting. Uh, I... I'd, I'd love to add you to my network or I'd love to pick your brain about your company or whatever, like, like just include a note because if you don't, too many of those will be rejected 
and you might end up like Tony on the on on the bad boys list on LinkedIn where you can no longer add people. Uh, it's happened then, to me a couple times, especially during the the job search there. But yeah, no, exactly what you're saying is, you know, that's that's your time to make uh, an introduction. You know, who are you? How can I help you? You know, why are you adding me? And you know, especially with the, that job search there. You know, I think use of LinkedIn for me. You know, like, like I said, there's several ways to go about it. I knew I wanted to go back to Chicago. And, you know, I think that kind of once you narrow down a city, you know, a line of business. And then I think you also have to keep in mind is like, how small are you making your circle? And can you make it, you know, a little bigger? Like at first I was dead set on wholesale, you know, ENS. And I was like, I only want to go into excess and surplus. But then is Chicago professional liability excess and surplus oh. is small of a of an of an area to cover? You know, do you have to open it up to professional liability and just Chicago? So that's something that I had to oh, adjust to. Uh, that's a fantastic point. And and okay, we're recording in 2021. We're recording this uh, on Saturday, November 6, 2021. And so we're kind of at the end of COVID. But we're, 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 we're still not entirely sure what, what the post-COVID era is going to look like. We have some ideas, right? Um, it, so I think, and I'm pretty sure, that, that for insurance, the post-COVID era is going to be remote or largely remote. Now, if you call me for career advice today and you say, hey, Tony, I, ha I have an offer uh, for a training program that is remote and a training program that requires me to move to X place, I will very likely say, um, if you can, I, I would move. I mean, I would choose the company I like best, but for, there are things for which in-person is better and training is one of those. The training program is gonna be much better in person. So, so uh, if you can, go do it. Uh, so, so, so the reason I, tell that, I, I, I say that is, 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 is because you said something super interesting that I hadn't thought of which is that you will have to balance at least at the beginning of your career location and the lines of business or type of insurance that you're interested in okay because you're right ens is a great example ens is heavy in uh phoenix arizona or, or to be more more specific scottsdale arizona atlanta georgia where i live richmond virginia those are the ens cities chicago is an insurance city like Hartford, Connecticut, like uh, Des Moines, Iowa, like Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it, it is not, and like New York City, uh, it is not an ENS hub. So yeah, if, if you have to, be, to weigh those two, eventually it won't matter uh, because once you're fully trained uh, and by that, I, once you, you've gone through a training program and you've got three, four years of, of, of underwriting experience in that line and you've got your CPCU, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll be able to get a remote job and just live where you want to live. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so very, I, I hadn't thought of that. Very, very interesting. And I think to touch back on kind of that message, you know, for me adding someone on LinkedIn, I literally was just searching people in Chicago, you know, trying to find, you know, or they professional liability and then just sending, Hey, is your Chicago professional liability office hiring? And then, you know, if you send out 20 of those, have hopefully half of those reply. Oh, I and love it. Yeah. I, that's ballsy. That, that's it is. Ballsy. <laughs> I, I love it. And, and you, uh, did you have any negative replies? I'm assuming, I'm assuming you had a lot of radio silence. Some, we don't have anything. A few, yes, we do. And did you have any, like, leave me alone, right? Any sort of negative replies? No, I, I would just say it would just be like the no reply. And it's also like the point of like, when do you just move on? You know, from your standpoint, you know, you're, playing follow up, yeah. Yeah, you're just playing a numbers game there. And I think, you know, once you, but, you know, it's also once you start, you know, that clock, once you start interviewing with one company, you know, I think this is something that's kind of unique too in the job search of, of during COVID is you have, the flexibility to, you know, you're not flying out to this city, this city interviewing, you know, you're, you're at your house, you're at your apartment, you know, you're, you're on zoom, you're on email, you're on phone call, phone calls, you know, there's, you, you have the time to kind of sit down, 
have a couple calls back to back, you know, put some time aside, you know, week by week. And then I think it's just getting in that habit again of, you know, setting up a call, setting up a call. And then something I noticed is what I find kind of interesting too, is like, sometimes you're talking to, you know, the, the overall manager and then they're sending you back down and then let's talk to your hiring manager or you're talking to the hiring manager, they're sending you up. You might start with one underwriter, they're sending you through three underwriters. And I, I think it's like, when are you talking to HR? When are you not talking to HR? And I just think it's kind of interesting of like, you know, how, how to use your network or kind of like the process. Mm-hmm. You know, some companies are texting you. Some companies are emailing interesting. you. Interesting. Yeah. That some are, are texting you. That We're doing that at Jacobson. Uh, my recruiters are, are texting. But I would have guessed that at most carriers, it's not a thing yet to, to text during, during the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when are you doing phone calls to? And then when, you know, I accepted a job with only seeing one person, uh, you know, having one call face-to-face and, and then I just phone calls outside of that. So, you know, I think that's kind of interesting too. Okay. I, I, have, I have a very important question uh, that I don't want to forget. Uh, so, so a quick parenthesis. Uh, so since you're a Chicago guy, What's your favorite deep dish pizza? Are, are, are you a Giordano's guy, a Uno's guy, a Lumalati, or another Luminati, one? Tony. Lumalati. Why, why Lumalati? I think it's pretty close to my house, and it was close to my high school downtown as well. So oh, okay, okay, okay. All about convenience as well. Are, 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 are you the type that that uh, that 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 does deep dish once a year, or are you like me, where like if I'm in Chicago, I'm getting deep dish. Now, if I lived in Chicago, it would probably be like a once a month thing. But, yeah. but uh, so, so how often are, are you okay with deep dish? Yeah, I, I would prefer deep dish whenever I would get it. You know, I used to do like Friday pizzas too, where I would, you know, in my apartment last year, I would, you know, make my own pizzas um, kind of over that, that phase now, but it's a good place. Good okay. Place awesome. Eat. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's very important for those that end up in Chicago. Uh, yeah. I, I might forever work for Jacobson, uh, and, and some portion of that might be the fact that they're Chicago-based, and I get to visit the home office and have deep dish. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, let's go back to the job search. So so yeah. so so we'll just we'll just uh, you know, as I was saying, of narrowing down, you know, what you want, and I, I think sometimes with that is, you know, sometimes knowing what you don't want. You know, for me, you know, I I didn't really think I, I wanted a, a rotational program. You know, I didn't want to go through property and casualty and professional. I already knew I liked professional okay. and just with my internships, I felt confident enough that I got enough exposure okay. to property and casualty to know that I like professional. So hold on. I'm a huge fan of rotation programs. And I, I went through one uh, late in my career or middle, like, like not at the beginning of my career. I had, I had been working for like six years and I had been a nationwide for, for, for two before I went through a rotation program. And it was not in underwriting, it was in finance. So that sucked. Uh, but I'm a big fan of rotation programs. So, so it sounds, and feel free to correct me, it sounds like you're not against rotation programs. You just you had figured out that you wanted professional alliance. So yeah. for you, it makes sense to go straight into professional alliance. Yeah, okay, exactly. Perfect. And I think, you know, on a note too of like the training programs too, you know, I, I found it more, more so on the carrier side of they're putting you, you know, in that one year kind of class. And it's like, what happens when you get out of that year? You know, are you, and I think just kind of asking similar questions to companies, you know, for the carriers, like, do, you know, are you playing the, the authority game? Like, are you going through the training program to get authority? And then what is your authority? Are you going up, you know, the ladder? Or is it, wow, we're putting up limits so high, like 25 million in, in, in limits that, you know, nobody really has necessarily authority. We're having eyes on it. You know, we're having four sets of eyes or, two, you know, four eyes on every deal. So I think it just depends on, you know, like, like I said, asking those similar questions to be able to kind of compare of what one company is saying to kind of the other company. And I think just seeing yourself, you know, in that, entry-level role and really understanding what, you know, your expectations for that job is and what their expectations for you are as well. Okay. This, this is very interesting. This is very interesting. Uh, I had never thought of that. I did not go through an underwriting training program. Uh, 
So, so I, I never thought of, of that question. I kind of assumed that they looked very similar at the end. At the end, you get a book of business and, and, and you start ahead of everybody else that didn't go through a training program. Uh, and so, but I agree with you. And, and, and one big question, for, for example, is geographically what happens. For example, CNA's program, I, I, at least before the pandemic, uh, was you move to Chicago for the program, but then after the program, we can send you anywhere we want to, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so you definitely want to ask questions on that. And, and then as, as a for, I'm a former underwriter at two different companies. I, I, I underwrote for Nationwide Ag as a small commercial, and I underwrote a couple of years later or three or four years later at Liberty for Middle Market. And I did that for two years. And, and those were two very different situations when it comes to authority. So uh, my authority at a Nationwide Ag was, you know, X and anything above that you need authority. And it was pretty decent. Uh, and uh, I had the ability to, to go 25% over or 25% under what the system said when it comes to pricing. Uh, uh, but interestingly, because it's small commercial, well, small farm, the, the agents had binding authority. So basically, when I was looking at new business, I was looking at business that was already bound. Uh, and, and I was underwriting it afterwards. And, and whatever changes I wanted to make, I had to wait until renewal, Right. Uh, and I think that we were able to get off of it with like a 90 day warning or whatever, but, but anyway, very different from at Liberty where I was looking at the business before it was bound and it's up to me whether to bind there or not. And I had much more authority, but the authority at Liberty was super complicated. It was, it was an Excel file with like 60 tabs. And if it wasn't for my UA, who was amazing, uh, Becky, love you forever. She's now happily retired. Uh, uh, I would never have been able to keep track of, of that authority. But, 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 but I guess what I'm trying to say in, in a roundabout way, like, like from my perspective, authority is, and, and we'll see how you feel in a couple of years once you've actually worked as an underwriter for a couple of years. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, authority is not that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be at a company where I'm going to have very, very limited authority. I'm going to have to ask for permission for everything. But at Liberty, on all the interesting accounts, I, ha- I had to, to go to somebody else for authority. Uh, because there was something that that required that but I didn't mind doing that because as long as I could make a good case for it uh, whoever I went to whether it was my boss or his boss or uh, uh, you know the online consultant for property or whoever whoever I had to go to, to for authority as long as I made a good case for it generally I would get a yes and yeah, I, 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 I I think yeah. that's great is, is, you know, that perspective on authority. I think it's, it's building confidence, you know, mm-hmm. going into your manager's office, kind of pitching this, you know, who's the broker, how many accounts you have with them, you know, where is this risk? Do you have any risks kind of like this? And I think, you know, I, I think authority is a, I think the concept is a positive thing overall of kind of having, you know, but you're balancing, you know, that, that difference of perspectives kind of gathering more information internally, but then you're also balancing that with, with the brokers, you know, they need the response, they're moving quick. And I think it's just kind of using that time to as much time as you need, but then also keeping in mind that you're competing on time as well. If, if one broker gets a quote back from a different carrier before you send your quote, sometimes that's, that's going to lose it for you. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and with the, the note of geographies, as you're saying, you know, from a distribution standpoint is I, I talked to some companies where that were assigning based on like a state, you know, hey, you'll get this state and this state upon your completion of this training. And then, you know, some of them are by territory. Hey, we do, you know, West Central and then there's an East team. And I think just kind of having as broad as possible exposure as possible as early as on as as early on as you can you know i, I think that is very important as well and, and i want to i want to add to that that you're you're probably we'll see how the post-covid world looks like but you're probably going to to either live or more likely you're going to go visit that territory fairly often depending on the line of business depending on the, on the company's uh, theory on, on this philosophy on this in my experience 
uh, at Nationwide, I was supposed to visit my territory once a year. So it wasn't a big deal. It, it, it really wasn't. I had Maryland and Delaware. Uh, with, with Liberty, Liberty would have loved for me to live in my territory, but they were okay with me visiting my territory once a month. Mm -hmm. My territory, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, a wonderful city. My territory was Mississippi. I'm, I don't want to live in Mississippi <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, and I had to go visit Mississippi once a month. Uh, if I had had two offers or, or if I were looking at two training programs and one of them is like, hey, you're going to be the Mississippi underwriter when you graduate. And the other one is saying, you're going you're gonna to be the New York City underwriter when you graduate. Uh, I want to be strongly biased toward. I wanna, no, it's not biased. I have a strong preference for the program that puts me in New York City afterwards. Yeah, you get it right, right? Like, like, like so, so yes. The look, the look, which which territory you're gonna have is uh, going to, and not only for which territory it's fun to live in or to visit, but also part of, part of my problem with the Mississippi territory is it was almost entirely a renewal territory. The great majority, there's only so much middle market business in Mississippi. So when it came in, even stuff that was coming in as new business, we had seen before. It was very rare that we would get an account submitted that we had never seen so that was a little bit boring and and the experience that i got would have been much better if i had had a territory like atlanta or like chicago right a territory with a lot of activity yeah and i, I think that's something that you're kind of saying is is you know i think asking as many questions as you can you know on both sides you know from the interviewee and the interviewer you know perspective i think it's it's your job to underwrite you know the company that you're potentially going to go work with. You know, what, like, do you see yourself in, in that role that they're describing to you? And I think it's accountability on both sides. Hey, have you said, you know, I'm starting and doing something like this and I started, it's nothing like you said, you know, I just think it's kind of accountability from that. And I just think just overall, like, like, yeah, it's a stressful situation to go through, you know, these interviews, but it's good stress to have, you know, some options and some choices. And I think that's kind of one of the benefits of, of the risk management major and these past internships is that you you are not limited to one company or two companies, you know, cast a wide net. And but you know, I think it's also balancing like being your own advocate and, mm -hmm. and you have to be a little selfish for, for you. You know, it's picking a high school, it's picking a college, it's picking, you know, your first company. It's all very big steps. But then I think you also have to keep in mind that, you know, the person on the other end of, of this video call or this phone call, they could be your new coworker too. So I think just kind of seeing that, that forward thinking, you know, you have to be respectful with their timelines and your timeline. No bridges. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Be respectful of the time. Absolutely. And, and no, you, you, you're right. Like this interview is a window into that company. Keep an eye on everything, right? And, and if we're back in the world where, if you're watching this and we're back in the world where, where they're willing to fly you in to, to physically, you know, face-to-face -face interview, not, not just in Zoom, on Zoom, uh, take a look at everything that you can, right? Get a feel for, do the people seem happy? To, uh, talk, like talk to whoever they let you talk to and, and See, see if you can get a real feel for what it's like to work in that department, in, the, in that company, in that, in that building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say overall, you know, it's a, it's a valuable experience to, you know, again, build, build your network. Because, you know, if I was interviewing with some brokers, I'm going to like carrier side. Now these could be, you know, my brokers <laughs> already have the connection with some of them. So I think just playing like the long game and just kind of, you know, as many people as you talk to, write it down. You know, just take notes, figure out what's going on. On you paper, know, how old-fashioned to you? Oh, I love it. You see my calendar, paper calendar behind me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree with everything you're saying. I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I, I would add, uh, I get a lot of... So I want to play the old man here for a second. Since I'm, 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 you know, breathing down on 40 very quickly here. Um when, when I graduated college and I was trying to, find, to, to choose my first job, um, I remember thinking, very naturally thinking that I'm going to be with this company forever, right? So, so very, very, better choose wisely. And 
now that I've been in the, in the, in, you know, working for, 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 I don't know, 15 years, my God, uh, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think 15 years. Exactly. Um, I've realized that, that, no, the reality is, is like, chances are you're not going to be with this company forever. So the advice that I give RMI majors when they call me and they're like stressed about how to choose between multiple offers, um, don't worry too much. I mean, yes, put the time into it, make a good decision, but don't worry too much about it because ultimately if you go to X company and you love it, if you go to X company and you hate it two, three years later, finish your CPCU and make a move at like a 30 or 40% raise. Or if you go to Y company and you love it, two to three years later, chances are you're now worth a lot more in the market than you're getting paid. You yeah. might have to leave and come back. So don't, yeah. don't worry too much about the first one. But, but, but yes, I, I agree with everything you said when, when it comes to how to underwrite this decision. Yeah, and I think as, as you're saying, you know, what, what are you looking for in, in that, that first job? You know, I think it's the team. You know, what team are you joining? How long have they been together? Have they moved from this company to this company to this company together? You know, how, like, I mean, you can get too into it and get very deep in a LinkedIn. I, and especially now, a lot of movement going on. But this is a truism for, for like people that have, that, that have worked for a long time know this. But for, for kids coming in and out of college, I think that this is worth saying. Uh, people don't quit companies. They quit bosses and teams uh, your team and your direct manager will have a much bigger influence in your day-to-day -day happiness than than the company than, than the company itself uh i would almost rather go to a great team at a mediocre company than a mediocre team at a great company yeah and, but you know at the end of the day you know you have to make the decision you know, even if you have these offers in front of you, you know, you have to make a decision. It has to be a decision you're going to be confident in, you know, a company you're excited to join a position that you're, you know, happy to see yourself in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think like you can get as much advice as you want, you know, from outside perspectives, people at the company, people at your internships, like in your network, but, you know, you have to make your choice. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to you. And, and, and once, yeah, yeah. Talk to all the advisors and, and I'm happy to, to help chat with Tony.com. I'm, I'm happy to be one of your advisors, one of your mentors. Uh, but yeah, ultimately the decision is yours and, and don't let anybody make it for you, uh, including your parents, if, if they happen to be from the industry. Uh, I chatted yesterday with, with, with a guy who, who, whose dad and grandfather both were brokers for, for Aon. Uh, so you can guess what what he was pressured on when he was graduating, and, and he didn't go in that direction. Now he's years later, uh, but anyway, that's why I said it. Like, don't let anybody like, make a decision for you. Things have changed. Make the decision that makes sense for you today. Uh, I would also add. I was gonna add, and I lost my train of thought. Uh, okay, yeah, no, uh, make make your own decision. Oh, I, I know what I was gonna add. Uh, Michael Moore. Uh, at uh i think it goes by mike moore at nationwide uh many years ago told me that he he worked for allied before allied was acquired and at allied he was he bled allied blue and he wore the the allied shirt so to speak and then they got bought by nationwide or no it was i think it was allied, allied green before they got bought by nationwide uh and when they got bought by nationwide a lot of people were upset a lot of longtime allied people were upset and, uh, and they either left or even stayed reluctantly and they weren't a big fan of Nationwide. Uh, and Mike's decision and advice to me going forward was if you change companies uh, or if your company gets acquired, the smart thing to do is, is to go from bleeding Allied Green to bleeding Nationwide Blue. Uh, and, 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 and so my advice to, to everybody is whatever company you choose, I love it. Uh, I've got all sorts of of, uh, of insurance swag. Uh, my girlfriend, my girlfriend's on the broker side. She's not a broker, but she's on the broker side. She, we get all sorts of insurance crap, or I, and I love it. I, I she gives it all to me. She doesn't like it. So Which swag? Uh, insurance swag, yeah. Uh, so she calls it carrier crap. Uh, I I love this stuff. So so anyway, uh, whichever. What I'm trying to say is, whichever company you choose, show up. Put on the jersey, so um, you know uh, that's what my mom says. Uh, metaphorically, put on the jersey, and um, you know, make it clear to everybody that that you, you, if you chose CNA, you bleed CNA red. At least while you're there, 
right? And, and make it clear to everybody, like, I'm here to learn all I can. I'm here to, to, to do all I can for the company. And uh, parenthesis, I'm not promising lifetime here, but, but uh, what, what I'm saying is don't go in and, and, and like tell anybody that your plan is to get two years of experience and then move on. Yeah, Tony. Like, while I, I think while you're there, be the best employee for that company that you can be. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. And I think that's something I had to wrap my head around too, is that aspect of, of loyalty, you know, because with just with these internships, you're there like six months, you're switching and it's like, it's like, okay, like I'm, you know, you had a few companies and you just kind of keep switching, but that's not the real world. You know, you're insulated so, in internship. So it, it's complicated and it'll take you a long time to, to figure out. Um, but, but there is no such thing as corporate loyalty. There, there is no such thing as lifetime employment. Okay. And, and I wish that, that when we hired people, we were more honest about that. Okay. We're, we're not promising a lifetime employment. The, 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 the employment agreement of the 21st century is a, a firm month's uh, wor uh, work effort for a firm month's wage. And also from the, from the employer's perspective, I also give you access to uh, other tools for you to develop yourself. But it's your job to manage your own career and it's your job to make sure that if we ever don't need you anymore or if, if we ever go out of business or get acquired or whatever, uh, it's your job to make sure that you have taken advantage of the tools that we gave you, tuition reimbursement, et cetera, et cetera, internal training, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that you have a good parachute on your back. In my opinion, the best parachute in the industry is the CPCU. Uh, now, in professional lines, it might be a, 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 P, a plus designation. I don't know. Probably. Uh, RPLU would be the one. It might be RPLU, right? So, so make sure that, 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 you, that, that you bleed for the company, but make sure that you are also building your own parachute in case someday they no longer need you. So um, how loyal should you be to the company? You should work hard and you should market their products or whatever your job is. Uh, but yeah, just be mindful of the fact that you might not be there forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, just wanted to thank you, Tony, for, for having me on and, you know, thanking everyone at an insurance search for just being the, that resource. You know, I remember we were down in Dallas a couple of years ago and I recorded one of your Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> that uh, so that session is called the first five years, and yeah. it is on YouTube. Uh, so uh, it's really this story is really funny. So basically, I walk in to give this session, and I need somebody to, to record it. And th did I like did I did you, I ask a like, volunteer? Where's the freshman? <laughs> what's what's that? You're like, where's the freshman? So awesome. And, and Darren raises his hand. I hand him my, my, my phone with uh, uh, probably a, a gimbal. I, don't, I think it was a gimbal because it's a pretty good recording. Uh, and basically, he got to hold it for an hour while I gave my first five years presentation. Uh, and of course, I immediately forgot who actually held the camera. Uh, so later on, when we, we connected, he mentioned that he had. So I sent him a free copy of, of my book or one of our books, yeah. I don't remember which one. Uh, so that session is on LinkedIn. It has like 700 views. If you search for the first five years, you'll find it. My, my best advice for the first five years of your insurance career. Darren, thank you so much. Oh, the big announcement, the big announcement. So, so Darren uh, can no longer continue to do the National Alliance podcast because he's no longer a student and it's supposed to be a student-run podcast. So starting sometime in November, December, I don't know, uh, he is coming on to insurance nerds as a podcast host and what is the, your podcast name and what is it about yeah well i'm naming it the, a day in the life a day and then in I the life you'll, you'll specify you know what which insurance professional you're having on it'd be like oh um just kind of like their career path and i think something that really it was hard for me coming you know into the insurance industry is kind of understanding what you know, that job actually is, you know, what, what do you do? And, you know, I think just kind of paving, paving that way, kind of leaving that, that trail of breadcrumbs for, for others to just kind of see, uh, like kind of a, a behind the scenes, behind the curtain, kind of into 
you know, that industry, that specialty, you know, that distribution, you know, linking the chain wise. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm really passionate about it and really excited to keep putting out content. On. Super exciting for, for both of us. So how do you subscribe to, to, to Darren's podcast? Well, at the beginning, the hardest part of a podcast is, is, is building a, a, an audience, a listenership. Since we already have a built-in listenership of insurance professionals that, that listen to Profiles in Risk, uh, basically, you subscribe to Profiles in Risk, and whenever Darren produces a, 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 an episode of, of, of A Day in the Life, and I don't know how often that will be, uh, it'll come out on the same feed uh, as uh, Profiles in Risk. Now, someday we might separate that if, if it gets really big, but for now, easy, just ProfilesInRisk.com. Uh, you can find the link to subscribe to the Profiles in Risk, in Risk podcast. And feel free to just ignore it when it's not. If, 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 if you don't care about profiles, you just want to hear his, feel free to, to ignore it when it's mine <laughs> or somebody else's. Uh, no worries. I, I, I don't get mad. Uh, so Darren, uh, thank you for, for joining me today. It's, it's been really awesome. I'm so excited to, ha to have you uh, with the insurance nurse team. Uh, and and uh, looking forward to see what you produce and looking forward to, to, to continue the conversation over, over time. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to join the team. Thank you very much for, for the opportunity.